0: in the book of Genesis, please, this morning. The book of Genesis. Praise the Lord. Now, the things we're going to be sharing with you this morning and tonight. First of all, we're going through the book of Genesis and it's very interesting how God's Word is always timely for us as a church. Uh, I've seen many, many times as the Word of God is being preached or we're going through a certain area in the Word of the Lord that there is so much application uh, in the Word of God at that time for what is going on even though we're going through the books of the Bible. The timing of God is interesting to me the way He places these things. But as I preach to you and teach you the Word of the Lord tonight, this morning and tonight I will tell you that what I'm going to be saying is not just because I want to say it. I really, really do feel God is leading me to say some things uh, that are going to be beneficial to this church in the area of biblical prophecy. And it is important for all of us to be present so that we will uh, be ready for the things that are going to come. Amen. It is also evident to me that in the midst of a time when the church will become more and more faithful that the Word of the Lord is very clear that there's going to be a great falling away that will take place. That does not alarm me uh, because the Bible said it was going to happen. So we need to be prepared as a church, the remnant of God, to continue to be faithful to the Lord at all costs at any time. Uh, There's going to be a great falling away. In fact, it's already begun. Uh, Pretenders, those who are not really real and have no desire to serve God with all of their heart, Not going to make it in this hour. It's all a part of God sifting and shaking out, uh, you know, in the end time. So just be ready, amen, for what the Word of the Lord has. I thank God that He does direct us. But I will say this again, that what I'm going to be preaching to you, especially tonight, is not because I decided I wanted to give you that sermon. It is because about 4.30 this morning, God began to speak to me about some things. And because God's directed me, I'm going to be sharing... Uh, prophetic things for you specifically, especially tonight. So let's get right into the Word of the Lord because what we're going to do is lay a foundation this morning uh, for what is going to be preached tonight as well. So in the book of Genesis, please, in the 40th chapter, if you would look there in the Word of the Lord. And also I trust that it will not just be the teaching of the Word of God, and the preaching of the Word of God that's going to be significant for us, but His instruction in connection to that as to what to do uh, as we look at the end time events. Because He didn't just give me direction, but He gave me action. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be significant for you. Amen? Amen. God is good. Alright, the 40th chapter of the book of Genesis. It came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Amen? Now you will remember that Joseph was cast into prison after a time of temptation. In his life he overcame and because he did the right thing, uh, you know, you would think, well, there wouldn't be any suffering. But in doing the right thing, he was accused falsely. He was cast into prison. But even in that situation, the Bible says that God just kept exalting him and kept blessing his life so that everywhere he went, whether it be in his house or Potiphar's house or in the prison house, everywhere he went, he just kept getting promoted because that's the kind of man he was. So he overcame temptation, falsely accused, cast into prison, I think I'll let you sit down. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing to be upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Verse 21 of the previous chapter, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. When you look at the life of Joseph, you're going to see, in his own house, he ruled. He was given the coat of many colors. We call it the rainbow coat. So his father recognized that he was to have authority in his own house. Secondarily, he rules over Potiphar's house. Thirdly, when he gets cast into prison, he rules over the prison house. And by the time we get to the end of this section, he's going to be ruling over Egypt as number two man. So everywhere you see Joseph, even though as you go through his life progressively, he is going to temporarily diminish in rank. Okay, you with me? Everywhere you find him, God is with him and blessing him and raising him up so that he rules over four houses in his life. I'll say it again. His own, Potiphar's the prison, and then Pharaoh's house. That's the kind of man he was. So the Bible tells us very clearly in the previous chapter that he is made ruler or the overseer of the uh, prison that he's in, and what prison is he in? What kind of prison is he in? Is he in just any prison? He's in the commoner prison? What kind of prison is he in? He's in the king's prison. Okay? Now, that's special because special offenders of the king are placed in the king's prison house. Now. If Joseph was guilty of pursuing Potiphar's wife, the Egyptian law would have had him put to death, and not only put to death, but tortured to death. Potiphar did not believe the story of his wife, so he didn't kill Joseph. Potiphar, who was a high-ranking official, he was over the prison of the king, took Joseph and didn't just put him in prison, but put him in the prison of the king himself. So Joseph in that prison of the king himself, again, is going through a process of training. He's being trained by the Lord, by these various things that are happening to him, so that when he goes into the prison house of the king, he can be trained in the operation of the government of Egypt. So God is involved in everything that's happening here. God is in control of everything that's happening to him. Even though he is suffering greatly. Okay, And we explained to you some things that he lost. He lost his freedom. Amen. His feelings were hurt. The Bible says they placed fetters around his ankles. Lost his freedom. Physical pain there. And lost his reputation. As he was taken and put in the king's palace. Now, most people, when they start going through things in life, their pride rises up and they want to protect their reputation. It's a very rare individual that you will find that when they're falsely accused, may lose their freedom, may be hurt, cast into prison, hurt in their feelings and lose their reputation. It's a very rare individual that can so trust God and so give themselves to, to God's reign in their life that they will not try somehow to fix their reputation. But God does not... Let me say this. It's very important for us to understand that. It's important for me as well. I learn as I go as well. You know, As I study, I learn a lot. It is important for me to know and for you to know that when our reputation is being assaulted or we're accused falsely, uh, that we are not responsible for our reputation. Now what I mean by that, I mean, yeah, you want to you want to have a good reputation, but you're not responsible if somebody lies on you. Okay? To try to fix all of that. Don't worry about your reputation. What you have to worry about is your character. And because Joseph's character was what it was, it was sterling. It was like sterling silver, man. Because his character was what it was supposed to be, as we're going to see as we move progressively through his life, his character was maintained by him And in the end of the story, God is going to restore to him his reputation. It's not going to be Joseph that does it. It's going to be God that does it. Restores to him his reputation. So if you maintain a character, if you're sterling in your character, okay? You may be falsely accused. You may lose your freedom. You may have your feelings hurt. Amen? You may lose your reputation. But if you maintain your character, which you and I are, that's our responsibility, God will make sure in the end that He takes care of your reputation. At some point along the way, if you don't maintain your character, you can't expect God to take care of your reputation. But because Joseph maintained his character, God took care of his reputation. We're going to see that as we go along here. Amen. Are you with me here? So, character is very, very important. And there's so many people today, they're so concerned about their reputation. How's your character? If your character is what it's supposed to be, it may take a little bit of time. But God will take care of your reputation. The problem is is that a lot of people are so focused on their reputation and they don't have the character anyway to have a good reputation. So they go around trying to defend their reputation when they don't have the character that they should have. But if we have the character like Joseph, and I mean it's like sterling silver, man. I mean it's pure and we do what is right in our life. That is your responsibility. That's my responsibility. Does everybody understand that? So what you have to do instead of trying to fix all of these things concerning your reputation, make sure that your focus is on i got to keep my character right. My character needs to be right. And if I do what I'm supposed to and I'm I'm the kind of person I'm supposed to be, then God's going to take care of my reputation. Amen. And so Joseph just had to trust God. Now, how many of y'all would agree that Joseph has suffered many things? He suffered at the hands of his brothers. Amen. Betrayed by them. Sold into slavery. He gets over in Potiphar's house and he's falsely accused. Amen. So he's going through another problem. Just, just one Problem after another, one difficulty after another in Joseph's life. The man suffers greatly. Amen? You understand? Then he gets thrown in prison. More suffering in the life of Joseph. And it went on for 13 years. Not 13 months, 13 years of suffering. One suffering at the hands of people after another suffering at the hands of people. Just 13 years, if you can receive this, 13 miserable years. And he's the one that dreamed that someday he's going to rule. He's the one that dreamed that his brothers and his mother and his father would bow down to him and do obeisance to him. And it's... For 13 years, he doesn't see any fulfillment of those dreams. For 13 years, he suffers. But because of his character, he didn't hang his head. He refused to give in to the temptation of despair. He refused to give in to the temptation of discouragement. He refused to give in to the temptation of pride for 13 years. He didn't get angry at God. He just kept being faithful because that's the kind of man that Joseph was. He was a very, very godly man. Amen. And so as we move into the 40th chapter, the Bible says it came to pass after these things that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord, the king of Egypt, And Pharaoh was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the baker. Amen? So now we see that there's the butler, chief butler, and the chief baker, and they've offended the king. So they're going to go into the prison of the king, which is the prison for those that offend the king. Right? And the Bible says... That Pharaoh, we don't know what happened. The Bible doesn't tell us what the butler did, doesn't tell us what the baker did. We just know they did something to offend the king. And you offend the king, and that prison called the prison of the king, that's where you're going to go. So I don't know what they did because the Bible doesn't tell us what they did, but somehow they offended the king and the place they're going to go is in the king's prison house. Guess who's there? Joseph. God was in the whole thing. And Pharaoh, for some reason, having been offended, he gets really angry at the butler, he gets really angry at the baker, and throws them in this prison house. And so what's going to happen is God is going to use the wrath of men to praise Him. If you go to Psalm 76.10, I'm not going to turn there, you can read it later, just write it down or look at it as I preach. The Bible says that God causes even the wrath of men to praise Him. Now I want you to catch that. That is prophetic. He causes the wrath of men to praise Him. This is a pagan ruler. He doesn't believe in the one God of the Bible. He's an idolater. He's a ruler. Amen? And His wrath, His anger in casting his officers, the butler and the baker, into prison is all God. God is in control even of the wrath of men. Amen? So Pharaoh gets upset, casts them into prison, right? Well, Joseph is the one that's in charge of the prison house. Now notice this. Verse 3, he says, He put them in the ward in the house of the captain of the guard. Well, the keeper of the prison is 39.22. The keeper of the prison has already put Joseph in charge. Now we have the captain of the guard, not the same person. He's Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guard. Potiphar is the one. He's over all of them. He's the high-ranking official that put Joseph in prison. But because the character Joseph is so so solid, the captain of the guard, which is Potiphar himself, who did not believe the lies of his wife, it's proven here, he puts Joseph. You with me? The Bible says, charge Joseph with them. He put Joseph in charge of those two officers. Amen. That's amazing to me that Potiphar so recognized the character in Joseph that he did not kill him, did not torch him to death, put him in the prison house of the king, and the keeper of the prison puts Joseph in charge, and then the captain of the guard, which is Potiphar, puts Joseph in charge of those two men, the chief butler and the chief baker. Amen. Now... The Bible tells us in verse 5... Are y'all here? They dreamed a dream, both of them each man had his dream. In one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were bound in prison. So now we find out that these two, the butler and the baker, they both have a dream. So we've got two dreams. Okay? The butler has a dream, the baker has a dream. Right? How many dreams did Joseph have concerning his brethren and his mother bowing down to him? Two. So you got two by Joseph. You have two now. One by the butler, one by the baker. And then as we progressively go through the story, Pharaoh's going to have two dreams. This cycle of two. Alright? So the butler has a dream. Without reading all the story to you, the Bible says the butler's dream is about a vine. And it's got three branches on it. And then the baker has a dream. And the Bible says his dream is about three baskets on the top of his head. And it's full of food. Okay? And that food that is on in those baskets on the top of the head of the baker was for Pharaoh. But the birds are coming down and eating the food out of the baskets. Now... The vine that the butler had a dream of had three branches and the fruit that's coming off of that vine, the grapes are taken and the Bible says that wine was to be used for Pharaoh. Right? Okay. So they have this dream. They don't know what it it means. The butler doesn't know what the three branches mean and uh, the baker doesn't know what the three baskets mean. It's full of food and the fowls are coming down to eat. They don't know what it means. But remember, Joseph is an interpreter. He's a dreamer, number one, and he's an interpreter of dreams. Right? So the Bible says in verse 6, Joseph came in unto them in the morning. He looked upon them and behold, they they were sad. Say they were sad. He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, wherefore look you so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, Do not inter- interpretation belong to God? Tell me them, I pray. Now I want you to notice this. The Bible tells us, verse six, they've had the dreams. Joseph comes in unto them when, in the morning. Once again, we see Joseph faithfully serving. Right. I want you to think about this. He's faithfully serving. He didn't let his feelings get hurt. He could have looked at the situation and he could have said, well, you know, I just keep getting demoted. I go from ruler in my house to ruler in Potiphar's house and from there now I'm a ruler in a prison house. And and as a result of this demotion, which was really not a demotion, but he could have perceived it that way, as being demoted, he could have said, I'm going to stop serving now. There's a lot, I'll tell you, you see the character of this man? There are a lot of people that will serve God as long as they're on the stage. As long as the lights are shining bright on them, they'll serve God. But to ask them to do anything lowly, ask them to serve God in some lowly way, you will never see him. It's only when they're on the stage, they're on the platform, and they have rank, now I'll serve God. Joseph's not like that. He doesn't have to have rank and position and a stage and lights shining before he gets involved in serving God. He can be demoted in the lowliest position in a prison house, be be promoted in a prison house, but demoted as you go down, and this man still was serving God faithfully. Question for you. Would you? Would you keep serving God? if you were on the stage and the lights were shining on you and you had rank and position and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're demoted as far as life is concerned. Would you keep serving God? Would you keep be faithful to God if you were asked to do some lowly thing in the kingdom of God? See, there's a lot of people today unless they're on the platform unless they're standing on this platform unless they're preaching from behind this pulpit you don't hear much from them they're you know mysteriously quiet in the pew but you let them get up here where the lights are shining man this is a stage and it's a platform Raw, raw, raw! Rah. Man, they're gonna want you to run and shout and get behind them when they preach, but they're strangely quiet in the pew because they're not willing to serve in the lowly things. They have, they want to to be up front. They want to be seen. Okay, but Joseph wasn't like that. What kind of character did he have? He kept serving, even though he was losing his position. It wasn't about position for him. It wasn't about the stage. It wasn't about the lights. It was about just serving God faithfully in whatever place he found himself. That's what kind of people God is looking for. He's looking for that kind of person. Amen? And then secondarily, he's going to be involved in serving and ministering when his heart is broken. He's hurting on the inside. Look at the way the man's been treated even by his own family members. He could have let his personal pain stop him from being faithful in his service, but he said, no, I'm going to keep ministering. I'm going to keep serving even though I have personal pain in my life. Now, you and, I, you and I can talk all day long about how great, powerful, and strong we are in the kingdom of God until you start experiencing some deep, deep personal pain in your life. All of a sudden, do you become strangely quiet in the pew? Or are like you? Are you like Joseph? That no matter what Joseph's going through, no matter he might be demoted, he might be suffering on the inside and going through personal pain. That man is going to be faithful. He's going to keep on serving God. He's going to keep doing what he's supposed to do. And he's not even going to let even personal pain or personal suffering stop him from ministry. God, help us. Because oftentimes, if we're going through times where we're going, you know, it's a downturn. Or maybe we're going through times of personal suffering. Do we we let despair and discouragement dominate our life? Or are we up serving? Or are we up diligent? Look at this man, early in the morning. He's up early in the morning. He's serving once again. He did not let any of that stop him. Number three, if you look at it carefully, I'll just give you this third one. He had a dream years ago. Years ago that he was going to rule over his house. Years ago that his brethren and his mother and his father were going to bow down to him, do obeisance to him, and simply saying he would have authority over them. And for years, none of it has happened. There's there's if you will, if you can receive it, there's a lack of fruitfulness in his life concerning his past. But when two other people have a dream, he doesn't look at his past and say, you know, I had a dream years ago, it still hadn't come to pass, so I better not try to interpret yours. He didn't he did not allow the lack of fruitfulness. To stop him, he did not allow the lack of past—you uh, understand—past fruitfulness or the lack thereof—to stop him from producing fruit in the present. A lot of people live so much in the past. You know how well I failed here, and I—he didn't fail; it just hadn't been fulfilled yet. And if you're not careful, because you know your dream hasn't come to pass. then you can let that stop you from serving. His personal suffering, his demotions, and the lack of fruitfulness concerning his past did not stop Joseph. He's up early in the morning. What's he doing? He's servant up early in the morning. And when somebody needs a dream interpreted, he honors God and says, I can't interpret the dream anyway. Only God can interpret the dream. So he gives glory and honor to God as the one that can interpret the dream. He doesn't say, well, I had a dream, you know, years ago and it didn't come to pass. So, you know, I'm not going to seek God on this one. You cannot let the lack of your past, the lack of fruitfulness in your past stop you from serving in the present. You can't let personal suffering stop you from serving in the present. You can't let demotion stop you from serving in the present. Because God is looking for somebody He can put on a throne. And if you're the kind of person that's a fair weather Christian, that you're up and you're down constantly, God cannot depend on you. Because you don't have what it takes. You gotta be the person that's gonna be consistent. You gotta be the person that says, I'm gonna, no matter what I'm going through, I'm still gonna serve. Whatever I'm going through, I'm going to get up this morning. Whatever I'm going to do, I'm not going to let the spirit of discouragement uh, take the best of me. I'm not going to let the lack of fruitfulness in the past stop me me from serving. I'm not going to let demotion stop me from serving. I want you to understand, and I believe what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said about Joseph, and this is what he said about Joseph. He said he's like a cork in the bottle. You push him down, and ultimately, he's going to come up. You need to be like that kind of person, that kind of a Christian. I need to be that kind of person. I might be the cork in the bottle. You're going to push me down. But eventually I'm going to come back up. You just give me a little time. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to be a godly person. And when I look at the life of Joseph, what a great encouragement his life is to me. And I pray to God as I preach to you that you're not the kind of person to let let the Word of God go in one ear and out the other. And that you continue to behave like you're behaving and acting up like you're acting up. I pray the Word of God will challenge you. And listen to me, what I preach to you is not just to challenge you, but to call you to repentance. If you're giving up on God, if you're giving up on yourself, if you have despair in your life, Amen. no matter what you're going through, you should get up and say, God, I'm with God and God is with me. And I don't know, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through, but I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to keep ministering to God. I'm going to keep serving Him. I'm not looking for a stage. I'm not looking for the lights. I'm not looking for the promotion. Hallelujah! I'm not even necessarily, you know, looking for God to come in and deliver me from my my inner suffering or pain. God is looking at you. He's looking at me. Do we just talk the talk or do we walk the walk? Amen. Hallelujah! It's easy to talk the talk when the things are going your way, but are you the kind of Joseph, the kind of man like Joseph that's sterling? And I'm not just preaching to men here tonight. I'm preaching to women this morning. Sterling character, somebody you can depend on, somebody that's loyal, somebody that no matter what happens to them in life, they're going to be the same person. They're going to keep on being faithful to God, they're going to keep loving God, serving God, and they're going to be there. You know, you can count on them. And that's the kind of person that God can elevate no wonder he can he'll rise in four different houses no matter what pushed him down it just kept popping back up like the cork in the bottle but you've got to make some decisions right now because some of y'all are so worried about your reputation or your family's reputation no 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 you need to be worried about your character concerned about your character and the character of your family give the lord some praise in this house It works. I said it works. If you'll walk with God, and you'll be faithful to God. God, no no matter where you go, you may go through times like Joseph went through times of personal suffering. But if you keep acting like Joseph, eventually God's going to say, I'm bringing you up. I'm bringing you up. Is that the kind of person you are? Anybody here like that? How many of y'all want to be like Joseph? You want to be like Joseph. Say, see, some of y'all are sitting here, here's where, here's what I get oftentimes when I preach like this. Well, Pastor's preaching straight to me. You better believe I am. You're not gonna wrench me like that. You're not gonna work me like that and say, Well, you're preaching to me. You better believe I'm preaching to you. And if you're wondering if I am preaching to you, you just come up here and ask me, I'll tell you right to your face. I'll lose some, I'll probably lose some people over this message. And I don't care because it's the Word of God. Are y'all with me right now? We are in a very significant time, very significant time where we need to be like Joseph because we're going to go through tests and trials and tribulations. We're going to go through times of suffering, especially in this season. You better make sure you, you are where you need to be in God. Because if you're not where you need to be in God, the church is going to keep on going. And you're going to be the loser. Amen? Amen. So I'm telling you, and, and the awesome thing about Joseph is this, is that when he starts interpreting the dreams, you know, the first dream that, that, that the butler had with the three branches and the vine and, and that the, vine, the grapes that produced on the vine are going to go into the cup of Pharaoh, The Bible says Joseph interprets that and he says what that represents in three days. See, he's a prophet. He's got the gift of a prophet. He says in three days, I'm going to interpret this dream. I'm going to give honor. I'm going to say God's the one that interprets dreams. Men don't. Amen. The world can't do it. You can call the Egyptians and try to get the Egyptians to help you understand. Try to get the Egyptians to interpret it for you, but the world doesn't understand, they can't interpret it. It only comes by a revelation from God, and Joseph knew that. So he interprets the dream for the butler. He says those three branches that uh, that is in that dream concerning the vine, those three branches repre- represent three days. And he says after three days, your dream butler represents after three days, Pharaoh is going to lift up your head, which means he's going to put you back in your position. You will be restored, Butler, back to your position, and the wine will flow into the cup of Pharaoh just as before. Typically, the blood saved him, because the grape, the blood of the grape represents the blood. The blood saved him. Look, never say the blood's what's going to save me. Pharaoh, Pharaoh is going to, to restore him back to his position. Now, if you read the story, and I'm, I'm not because for the sake of time, you will see that the baker, when he hears that Joseph is interpreting the dream about the butler being restored, then basically he says, Hey, interpret mine too. Amen. You know what? Why didn't he, why didn't he just come right out and he, why didn't he want the interpretation right off? Because he's like so many people the prophets talk about. The Bible talks about people, especially in the last days. They're going to say to the prophets, prophesy to us smooth things. Only tell us what we want to hear. Prophesy to us smooth things. And that's the baker. He heard Joseph interpret in a good way the dream of the butler. He gets in line. Mm. Good news for the butler probably means good news for me. He gets in line. But because Joseph, you can't buy Joseph. He's a man of character. Amen? He's faithful. See, he gives a message of grace to one. But he gives a message of judgment to another one. And the baker wanted the same message of grace that was given to the butler. But the baker... Did I say baker? Yeah, the baker wanted the same message of grace that was given to the butler. But his was a message of judgment. And he waited to see, he hung around to see, you know, what the the interpretation of the dream was going to be for the butler. And after the butler got a good message, he lined up. And Joseph laid a message of judgment on him. He's the kind of man that's faithful to God. He's not a man pleaser. He's faithful to God. And he said to the baker, he said, Those three baskets that are on the top of your head that's got bread, and that bread's supposed to go to the to, 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 uh, Pharaoh, the birds are eating it. He said, What that means is this three days. Unlike the butler being restored in three days, he says three days and Pharaoh's going to take your head. You're going to die. A message of grace for one, a message of judgment for another. You understand? How many people today, they hear messages of grace, and man, they're lining up, boy. Then all of a sudden, a message of judgment comes because he's a true man of God. He's not afraid to declare a message of judgment to one, even though he declares a message of grace to another. What that's saying to me today is that there, there is the Word of God divides. And I pray to God today that each and every one of us this morning are, are hearing the message of grace. Amen. So we can be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. But if not, the message of judgment is certain. It's on all of our heads without the blood of Jesus Christ, without His redemption. We are under certain judgment. Amen. That's the Word of God. It's clear. But Joseph is a faithful man. He's not a man-pleaser. He declares exactly what was going to happen. Because God told him. Now. Is he a true prophet? Jeremiah says, if he's a true prophet, the word will come to pass. Joseph is a true prophet. Now, look, it's measurable because he said three days. There's time to see number one, if he's a true prophet. Three days number two because it's three days not only is it time to see if he's a true prophet time to see if the prophecy is going to come to pass it's not a general statement there's specifics in the prophecy and you can measure it okay you can measure it what I mean by that is this if it doesn't happen in that time frame it wasn't a true prophecy if it doesn't happen in that time frame Joseph's not a true prophet it's a measurable thing Do you understand what I'm saying? So many prophecies today are given in their general statements. They can't be measured. You know, it's sort of like kind of a gray area. No, no, no. Joseph was precise. Time frames, measurements could be given so that you could determine if he was a true prophet or the prophecy was correct. And so what do you think happened? God was with the man. Well, number one, how could in the world could He even interpret dreams like this? How could He, even, how could he know the future? How could He tell you what's going to happen three days down the road? Because God talked to the man. And God told him what was going to happen. Gave him the ability to interpret the dream and gave gave him a time frame as to when it was going to be fulfilled. How could he even know that? Because God talked to the man. Do you understand that? I went to a conference. This was years and years and years ago. Of a man that's a very high-ranking, high-ranking man in the kingdom of God. That man walked so close to God and I've shared this with you before. It just blew me away when he shared this story. He said there was a preacher and a saint. I don't I take it, I don't know if he was in his church or not, but somebody was lying. Okay, in their story. So he brings the preacher and he brings the saint into his office. And nobody would, you know, come clean, tell the truth. And so this man walked so close to God, he he prayed to God, said, as he prayed, God, put it on the screen. That's how close the man walked with God. God would put things on the screen and show him the truth. Are you with me? You got somebody that walks like that, you better be careful when you go in their office. And I'm not saying my office, I'm talking about his office. You come in there with a story, and he said, God, put it on the screen, and you find out, we find out, you know, God shows what's true and what's not. There are men on planet earth that have that kind of walk with God. Put it on the screen. It's amazing to me that we're living in a time right now where many churches, religious, the religious community, don't, don't believe in that kind of prophet. Don't, don't believe that people walk with God like that. But Joseph was that kind of man. He walked with God. God showed him what was going to come in the future. Hallelujah! Well did not the Lord say even to His church, not just to preachers, not just to the ministry, but did not He say that even when we were preaching Wednesday night, He'll show you things to come, church? Amen. Not just preachers, but the saints of God in the church? God, if you got the Holy Ghost, God can show you things to come. It's not just about the preacher, some elite man, it's about you walking with God in such a way. He, he Listen to me. He's not going to bypass the set man in the church as far as the leadership of the church is concerned. He will never do that. But he can show you things to come. Amen. You can are y'all here with me. All right? Because you how many have got the Holy Ghost? If you walk close enough to God, God will show you things to come. Amen. Joseph was a prophet. He was in the office of a prophet. He was mantled. He didn't just have a gift of the Spirit. He was mantled. He had authority. God gave him a mantle through his through the hands of his Father. And that mantle didn't just represent gifts. It represented authority, rulership in the house. This man, if you'll receive it, didn't just have the gifts of the Spirit. This man had order. This man had authority in his life. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight, uh, this morning? If you are, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Help me. Help me this morning. Now I believe I heard the Lord speak to me in the night. Not last night, but I believe it was the night before. He said this to me. He said, there are some prophets who... Who have the gifts, they have the gifts of the Spirit. They operate in the gift of prophecy, but they don't have the order of the prophet. They do things in a way that's not orderly. Are y'all with me? And that's not something you need to concern your with. It's something that I have to concern my with, myself with, when God, because I have a responsibility to be your pastor. Amen. I have a responsibility to try to help some people that may be called into the ministry that are used in the gifts of the Spirit. But what I always try to do is not just to help them function in the gifts of the Spirit, but to show them how to walk in the order of God. And the Lord spoke clearly to me. They have the gift of a prophet, but they don't have the order of a prophet. This man had the order of a prophet. The gift of the prophet and the order of the prophets. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Is everybody understanding? If y'all give God praise. This man didn't just have a gift, this man was mantle. This man didn't just have a gift of the Spirit, this man had authority. That's why he could walk with God and interpret. And that mantle that he had is what kept him from being killed in the beginning when they threw him in the pit. That mantle kept him alive. They stripped him of that physical mantle, but he still had that spiritual mantle. So when you put him in Potiphar's house, he survives even that because he's mantle. You can take him and put him in a prison house. He, he just keeps rising to the top because he's mantle. You Come on, somebody. He'll be brought out of a prison house and be made, made number two ruler in Egypt because he has a mantle. It's a spiritual mantle, not just a physical mantle. He lost the physical symbol. But he still had the mantle, and that's what protected him, and that's what kept bringing him up. That's what, are y'all with me right now? If God be for you, who can be against you? It is the mantle, the spiritual mantle, that protects you and protects me, and that will keep bringing you to the top, even though they push you down. Woo! Hallelujah! Are you getting it? So three days come and go. And after three days, the butler, just as Joseph interpreted the dream, was restored back to Pharaoh's court. And just like Joseph said, judgment's coming on the baker. Pharaoh lifted up his head. He was slain in three days. Joseph was a true prophet. He was a man of God. He walked in authority. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give the Lord some praise. Now, Joseph looks at the butler. He said, Now, butler, okay, when it comes to pass, don't forget me. All right. Don't forget me that it was Joseph that interpreted the dreams, you know. Amen. What do you think the butler does? Forgets him. He gets restored back <coughs> into the position just like the revelation of God said he would. You know? Man, you would think they'd be looking for Joseph immediately. Get that guy out of the prison house. Right? Let that man go free. That he'd be, you know, praised and and vindicated and, and set free and possibly even go back home at that time. But God used the forgetfulness of the butler. He was forgotten for two years. Two years. I mean, if you're Joseph about by now, wouldn't you be wringing your hands? You know. No, God was in it. God was in it. Two more years. So that means when it happens, he was, you know, in this from 13 to uh, at the present. Anyway, no, 17, 17, 13 years total. What I'm trying to show you is that at 30, he's going to be brought out. So he's about 28 years old when he's forgotten. Amen? You know, why do people keep forgetting me? Joseph could have got that attitude. He could have got that spirit. Poor me. Poor me. They just keep overlooking me. Poor me. God deliver you from that. God deliver me from that if I ever let that spirit. And you'll hear it tonight. Jesus said when you... Begin to see these come to pass. Lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. It doesn't say put your head down. It doesn't say hang your head down. It says get your head up. You're in the end times church. It's not time to put your head down. It's time to get your head up. It's time to look up. Jesus is fixing to come back. Say amen. This man refused to give in to that despair. Forgotten. And I say it again, God was in it. Because what would have happened if Joseph would have been set free from the prison? There would be no nation of Israel today. And if there's no nation of Israel today, there would be no Jesus. And if there is no Jesus, it's no salvation. God was behind the scenes working in the forgetfulness of the butler. And then the next chapter of the Bible says that Pharaoh dreams a dream. Amen? Get ready, Joseph. Your dream is about to come to pass. That dream that you had 13 years before when you were 17 years of age, or somewhere thereabouts, your dream is about, it's, it's fixing to come to pass, Joseph. The reason why you're in Egypt, Joseph, is fixing to be revealed. The whole reason why you're here is fixing to come to a head. You, are y'all with me here? He had to wait patiently for 13 years before the reason he was in Egypt was ever manifested. He had to wait 13 years before his dreams came to pass. And he was patient the whole time. Patient. So not only did he have the gifts of the Spirit as a prophet and interpreted dreams by revelation from God, but he had the order of a prophet. He understood that when God gets ready to do something exceptional in the world, You have to have patience. That's why I tell you, a lot of people have, they have gifts of the Spirit, but they don't have the order of the prophet because they have no patience. They're going to push, push, push to try to make it happen right now, and it ends up messing the whole thing up. The gift was in operation. You just weren't patient enough to wait for it. You understand what I'm saying? He had the gift. He had the dream before he was ever sold into Egypt. But because he was a man of order, spiritual mantle was on his life. He was willing to patiently wait for the timing of God. Amen. Let me repeat myself because I don't want you to miss it. Whenever God gets ready to do something exceptional in the world, God waits. When God gets ready to use you in an exceptional way, He tests you. He tests me. How patient are you? How long will you wait? Amen. You know what I'm talking about. When they would have a Jesus come and and heal his friend, Jesus lets him die. And shows up after he's dead for four days in the tomb before he does anything exceptional. Not on their time, on his time. On the Father's time. What you have to understand is that when God gets ready to do something great in your life, you better be there when He gets ready to do it. Because there's so many people that are impatient. They're not willing to go through that training process. Go through that time of suffering. Go through that time of demotion. Go through that time of personal pain. Go through that time when there's some past lack of fruitfulness in their life that could stop them from being used by God in an exceptional way because they don't have patience. Oh yeah, they're gifted. But because they don't have order in their life, they either run ahead of God or they run behind God. And God knows how to set the pace. He'll send pain to slow you down. Amen? Amen. or blessing to accelerate you. But you have to learn to be patient. That's why so many people, you know, I I personally know some people that would have been used mightily in God. But they just weren't patient. I mean, everything had to happen right this minute. I'm going, wow. I I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. Why are you so impatient? Is this really from God or not? It's really from God. You wouldn't be so impatient. Does that make sense? So he has to wait another two more years before God is going to use him to do something in an exceptional way. God help us, church. Amen? How many of y'all, sometimes we get so impatient being in church. You only have a watch on one arm. Okay, you're trying to send me smoke signals? You want God to do something significant in your life? You want God to do something special? Then you've got to learn to be patient. Praise the Lord, church. Joseph was a man of order. He'd wait on God. God, you have to understand. I'm telling you again that when God gets ready to do something significant in the earth, Oftentimes, He tarries. In your life, God, when are you going to come and when are you going to do something, God? When He gets ready. Look at your neighbor and say, God's getting ready to do something significant in your life. I'm telling you, this is a significant day for this church. Say praise the Lord. How many of y'all patient? As soon as you get pregnant, you want to have the baby. As soon as you got the news from the doctor. All right, I'm ready. Let's go. No, nine months of agony, gaining weight. Understand? Discomfort, all kinds of stuff kicking in. Yeah, you know, just boom, boom, boom. You know, for nine months, hit one hit after another. And then when the baby gets ready, the baby comes. You can't rush it. It'll come. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to be patient to birth anything. And that's what I personally believe the American church, not just the American church, I've met people that are not even... Really, you could classify as just the American church. They say impatient they can possibly be, man. you understand? How many are going to wait on God? because God's going to test you. He's going to test you. Praise the Lord. He's going to test me. I've been in situations God, you know it's getting a little bit lengthy here. (laughs) I don't know if I can take this any longer, God. Hallelujah. If you don't do something, Lord, I'm about to go down. He says, go ahead. When you quit sucking your thumb, then I'll be there when you go to prayer. When you stop wanting it your way when you want it. I know patient. And then God says, Oh, I finally got you where I need to have you. You've thrown up your hands. Finally. Finally. Okay? So what I'm saying to you is the truth. I can't make it happen to you. But that's the way God works. You ever been there? You finally say, I don't know what else I can do. I throw up my hands. I'm done. God says, oh, good. That's what I've been waiting for. I let you kick. I let you scream. I let you rise up in pride. I let you talk about how you don't like this, you don't like that. He, he God's not moved by any of that mess. Amen? And men, true men of God are not moved by all of that. You can pout, cry, and act, kick, throw a fit, and everything else. True men of God are not moved by that. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's not moved by that. You might as well just get on your face and say, Lord, here I am. I repent. I humble myself before you. I'm learning patience, God. And then you'll be amazed at what God will do when you get to that place where you're at the end of yourself. Do you understand? Sometimes God will even let you fail. How many of y'all want God to bail you out? Don't lift your hand. I want God to bail you out. You find out He don't don't do that. He just lets you keep on doing your thing. And you keep just one failure after another. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Some of your kids not in the church, my daughter knows if she's not in the church, I'll let them fail. I love them with all my heart. But I'll let them fail. You turn your back on God. I'm not going to bail you out. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say to some of you, and and, you're going to say, well, he's preaching to me. Well, obviously. Everybody knows it. Obviously. You have to let them fail. You have to let them come to the end of themselves where they'll throw up their hand and say, God... I do need you. I'm an idiot. I'm as stupid as they come. If I didn't let Sister Victoria fail, she wouldn't be in the church right now. Praise God. Look how good she's doing. You with me here today? If I was just always trying to bail her out, be talking to her all the time, trying to comfort her in her pain, she wouldn't be here right now. But God brought her to the end of herself and she's back in the house of God. I practice what I preach. I live what I preach. You're going to have to learn to let them go, let them fail, let them flop. So they'll get back with God. Amen? Amen? Now, I was told you end up in prison, you're on your own. You're on your own. My mama wouldn't bail me out. If I end up in prison, I'm on my own. You understand what I'm saying? Say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, now I got to get off this, but real quick. when I was 18 years old, my mom packed her bags, drove to Fort Stockton, she got married Hallelujah, and left me where I was in that house by myself. At 18 years of age. Sink or swim, honey. Sink or swim. You graduated, you're 18 year old enough to take care of yourself. I'm gonna go get married and live happily ever after. I'm telling you the truth. She never bailed me out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Man, you gotta learn how to swim, man. I mean, you end up in prison My mama be up there five minutes later bailing you out get my honey get my darling out no you still be in there right now does it make sense what we have to learn is patience we have to get to a place where we surrender to God and say okay God I'm gonna do it your way I tried to do it my way it doesn't work God I recognize that now Stop being impatient. Start trusting God. Start walking with God. Start believing God. Hallelujah. He can do it. But it may not be in your time. Say amen. You all right, Sister Victoria? Lift your hand away. There you go. I'm not going to make my daughter an example, but she knows where I am. Hallelujah. She knows where I am. Praise God. It don't work in the world. The church has the, the church has the answers. The church has the revelation. A Joseph has the answers. There's fiction to be calamity that's going to come on this earth like the world has never seen. The Holy Ghost spoke to me last night. There is a storm coming. I'm not saying that to you because I read it. I say that to you because I believe God spoke to me. There is a storm that is coming. If you're in that world, you're not going to make it. You better thank God you're in the church where the revelation of God comes to you. Are y'all here right now? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise because there is a storm coming. And I'll talk more about that tonight. But I'm going to say this to you right now. God's already got your number for blessing. Your number for blessing is already coming up. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. The world doesn't have an answer, but the church does. God does. And people that walk with God in the last days, those that do that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. That's the kind of people that's going to walk with God. People that are strong and are going to do exploits. I'm glad I'm in a place where there's answers. I'm glad I'm in a place where the revelation of God is. I'm glad I'm in a place where He shows us things to come. I'm glad I'm in a place where He tells us what to do, the action to take. I'm glad I'm walking with my Jesus. I would not want to be in that hellhole today. I would not want to be outside of the church today. I would not want to be in the world today. I thank God I'm here. It might get difficult and sometimes you might suffer and sometimes you might experience Spirit's discomfort. But I thank God I'm in the church because God is still God no matter what happens in the world. And the Bible says God uses the destroyer to destroy. He created the destroyer to destroy. Why? He causes the wrath of men to praise Him. He created the destroyer to destroy. He even created the destroyer. You don't know that, but he did. That's why you gotta let it just play out. You gotta let it work out. You gotta trust God because God is gonna create the destroyer. He already has created the destroyer to destroy this and to destroy that so that people will run to him by way of the revelation of Jesus Christ so that people will repent and turn to him in this end times as we get ready for the book of Revelation to begin to be fulfilled you understand? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm glad I'm in the church. Give God praise. And so Joseph's got to wait for two years and he does patiently. And the Bible tells us Pharaoh has a dream. The first dream he dreams is these seven healthy cattle. Amen? Healthy, fat. Amen? Seven years. Seven of them. And then he has another dream and he sees these seven lean cows. Seven lean cows. And then he dreams yet another dream. Two dreams. Again, dreams in pairs. I'll say it to you this way. If you have a dream one time, listen. If you have it twice, you better listen. It's probably from God. Dreams in pairs. The second dream that Pharaoh dreams is there's good stocks. Seven good stocks. And then there's seven uh, bad stocks. And in each of the dreams, the seven bad cows and the seven bad stocks devour the good cattle and the healthy cattle and the good stocks. God sent a dream to a pagan king. But there had to be a prophet of God that could interpret it. No man in the world, Egypt couldn't interpret it. No man in the world, the help of the world, could not interpret it. It had to be a prophet of God. It had to be the revelation of God. And the butler's memory is revived. Because Pharaoh can't get his dream interpreted by Egyptian sorcerers. He can't get his dream interpreted by the world. And the butler, all of a sudden the light comes on. Hey. I know somebody that interpreted my dream two years ago and it came to pass. Name's Joseph, two years later. They go get Joseph out of the prison house, bring him to Pharaoh, and and Joseph, as always, gives honor to God. And he interprets the dream. He said the seven fat cows represent seven years of plenty, and the seven lean cows represent seven years of famine. Are you all with me? He said, and the second dream is the same as the first. The seven good good stocks represent seven years of plenty and the seven bad stocks represent seven years of famine. And they're going to devour. The bad is going to devour the good. It's going to be so bad. That was the interpretation. Seven years. It's a type of the great tribulation period. I say great tribulation. The seven year tribulation period. You understand what I'm saying? That's going to come. When I say seven years of tribulation, I'm talking about the lean cattle and I'm talking about the bad stocks. Seven years of tribulation that's going to come. A time of famine like the world has never seen. But God is so good, church, that He always warns in advance. He always warns in advance. He tells the man of God, as he interprets the dream, this is going to happen. He's warning what is going to come. Aren't you thankful for that? That God just doesn't send His judgment without warning. That He will send warning in advance. So why? You and I can prepare for it, for what's coming. That's the way. He's a good God. And so, what do we do now? We have the interpretation of the dream seven years of good and then follow that seven years of famine what is the action are you with me before i get into the action look at verse 14 because i got to show you the way joseph comes out i've already told you the interpretation that was given but look at verse 14 then pharaoh sent and called joseph and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in into Pharaoh. You see that? What did Joseph do? Alright. They bring him very quickly out of the dungeon. They don't wait. They bring him quickly out of the dungeon, out of the prison. He shaves himself. Not just his face, but from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. I know there's no hair down there, but at least I don't think it. maybe some of y'all got hair on the bottom of your feet some of you ladies I don't know I'm sorry so anyway (laughs) um, he doesn't just shave his face (laughs) praise the Lord God I mean he shaves his head like you know some of you guys do It kind of makes me wonder if you're Egyptians. Man, I see some of you guys walk in, you got your head shaved, man. I'm going, you know. I I think to myself, why won't you just let it grow a little bit so you comb the thing, you know? (laughs) You know, Egyptians do that. They shave their head and face, everything. I mean, their whole body, if you understand. They shave their whole body. You know why? In case you don't know it, Egyptians love to be clean. It's a part of their ritual, it's a part of their religious system. Amen. Albeit it's not correct, it's an error, it's false gods that they worship, but they are clean people in the Bible. So they'll shave their whole body for the sake of cleanliness. So what Joseph does is, he's fixing to go into the presence of a king. Albeit in the store it's a pagan king. But it's a picture of you and I. When you come out of your prison house, you need to clean. You need to get cleansed. You're going in the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And if, if you'll get cleaned for a pagan king, how much more should you get cleaned up for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You're fixing to walk up those cobble steps. And pretty soon you're going to get promoted. You will no longer be walking on cobble steps. You're going to be walking up steps of gold to a throne. And when you come in the presence of God, clean yourself up. He's not a pagan God. He's the king, the great king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. When I come into his presence, I need my sins to be cleansed, water baptized in Jesus' name. I need my life to be cleaned up. And then the Bible said he changed his clothes. He didn't walk in there wearing prison attire. Yo, yo. He put on the proper attire. Okay? When you come into the house of God, praise the Lord, and He changes your life, you come into the presence of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, you're being brought out of your dungeon. God wants us to be clean when we come into His presence. And when we come into His presence, He wants us to be properly attired. That means when we come into His presence, there's a certain way that you dress. It's called holiness. Say, praise the Lord. I'm sorry to say, you know, he don't want yo yo. He wants reverence, he wants respect. I'm going to the house of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. I'm going to put on the proper attire. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Joseph prepares to go in the presence of the king. He interprets the dreams. What is the action? Bible tells us. Joseph said unto Pharaoh in verse 25, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has showed. i say it again. Listen what the Word says. I love the Word of God. Joseph says, God has showed you what He is about. He's the one that's going to send seven years of plenty. He is the one. God is. Look at your name and say, God is the one that's going to send the seven years of tribulation. The devil's not sending it. God is sending it. God is showing you, Pharaoh, what he is about to do. That stuck out with me. Or to me. Okay, amen? I'm not going to reiterate the dreams and the interpretations of the dream. But what do we do with this? Verse 32, And for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. The reason why He gave you the dream twice is because He's letting you know of a certainty it's going to happen. It's certain. And... It is going to happen, amen, shortly. So there's an urgency in the dream. The timing of it, it's going to happen. You with me? Okay. What's the action? Now, therefore, let Pharaoh, verse 33, look at a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Say, discreet and wise. Discreet. And wise. This man has knowledge. This man has wisdom. Joseph said, find that man. This man who has knowledge. He's discreet. This man who is able. Wisdom is not just a a knowledge word. Wisdom is how to do it. So Joseph said, you need to find somebody that knows what to do. And you need to have somebody that will know how to do it. Somebody that's able, right? Okay. Who do you think they're going to pick? The discreet, wise Joseph. Right? Let him set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous. Years. A fifth part. 20%. Those neighbors say 20%. We're going to store 20%. A fifth part is 20%. The other 80%, you know, the people can go ahead and use. Right? Interesting. Why do the Egyptians need 80%? They're pretty wasteful people. They're pretty wasteful people. Only twenty percent is going to be stored. So in that seven years of plenty, we're gonna save up for the future. Uh oh. Now everybody look up. It's not time to it's time to lift up your head, for your redemption draws nigh. Not time to look down on the ground. How many, 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 many years ago did we stand before the church and say, Save ten percent of your checks? Save 10% of your income. You bring your tithe to the Lord, and you save 10%. Because when it does collapse, when it are y'all with me here? When a, time, when a famine comes, you've got to have something in reserve. You have to have something stored. Amen. You've got to have something saved up. Hallelujah. How many of y'all have done that? Don't lift your hands. Well, you probably don't have to. You probably don't need to. Maybe you have. I'm just saying. People live like it's good. you know it's going to keep coming. No, there's hard times coming. Good times come, and then hard times are going to follow the good times, and you got to have something in store for the hard times. I'm going to just I'm going to step out on a limb, and I'm going to tell you most of your problems. Most of the problems of the people in this house, the reason why you got your head hung down, because you don't have no money in the bank. That's why you got your head hung down. Because you haven't prepared for the future. The greatest thing that you could ever do is bring your tithe, which the majority of you do in this church, is is for us to bring our tithe to the Lord. You're talking about security. But then on top of that, to save, to... To prepare for the future. If you haven't if you're not doing it, it's time to do it now. Amen. So the Bible says, Let them gather during the good years. Lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh. Let him keep food in the cities. That the food shall be for store to the land against this against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through famine. The storm is coming. Are we ready? Are we prepared? Help me. The storm is coming. You have to be ready. We have to be ready. Amen. But in God's goodness, He always comes to us before it happens and warns us so we can be ready, so we can prepare. That's a good thing about living for God. See, some people don't want to hear prophecy. They want to live there with their head in the sand like it'll never happen. It's going to happen. God's good. Come tonight and you'll see what I mean. <clears throat> the Bible says... Verse 36, And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, and the eyes of all the servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a man as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? That's amazing to me that a pagan king recognized the Spirit of God was in that man. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all these, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. It's time for his dream to come to pass. After 13 years. Miserable 13 years the reason why He's in Egypt, it's time for it to be manifested. Amen. Wow! He's going to be number two in the land. Can you imagine Him walking out of that prison house, walking up that, those cobblestones there in Egypt, and then becoming number two ruler, and now you're not walking on cobblestones, you're walking on gold stairs that lead to the throne. And the Bible tells us what Pharaoh does. Joseph exchanges his chain, earthly chain of limitation. Before I get to that, Pharaoh gives him a ring. He says, here Joseph, here's your ring that represents authority. You have authority, Joseph, to be number two man in all the kingdom. I give you a ring so that you can put that ring, signet ring in the wax or whatever and make laws and documents binding with the ring of the king. You got authority, Joseph. Are you all with me? Look at it. Took his ring off, verse 42, and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. He is now a second, he's number two man. He's not going to be wearing prison clothes. He's going to be dressed in proper attire, linen. Do you understand? And then the Bible says He's given a gold chain in the place of that old earthly chain that had bound Him. Now He's got a gold chain. Does that make sense? Position and rank is signified by the chain. Would you please get Brother He's Song of Solomon 1 and 10? Position and rank is signified by the chain. He's got new apparel and a new position and authority in the kingdom. Now notice this. Brother Heath gets it for me. Song of Solomon 1 and 10. The Bible talks about the bride of Christ that's typified in the Song of Solomon. Guess what's around her neck? Read it, Brother Heath, please. It does what? Amen? With chains of gold. What is that saying? Let me give you the types. Jesus Christ. This is a picture of Jesus coming out of, of of death, hell, and the grave. This is Jesus in resurrection, life, with authority, with rank and position. The linen garments represents his resurrected body, and what he is seen having here, and typically in Joseph, because he's Joseph. He's he is the son of Joseph. He's ma- Messiah being yourself. He's Messiah ben Yosef. He went through a time of suffering. Jesus went through a time of suffering so that He would be recognized as Messiah ben David, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's why they called Him Messiah ben Joseph because they saw the suffering of Joseph and they recognized that when the Messiah would be slain and He would suffer, they paralleled that with what Joseph went through. So they said, He's Messiah ben Yosef, the suffering Messiah who would die, but He will come up out of the grave and He'll rail and rule and reign as Messiah ben David. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's typically laid out here, but you are dressed like Him because you're the bride of Christ. His linen garments represent resurrection. There's a promise of a resurrection for you. You're the bride of Christ. There's a promise of exaltation. So he's given a ring. He's given the garments. He's given the golden chain. He kissed his chain. You have to be able when you're going through tests and trials in your life and personal suffering, somehow you've got to be able to, I wish I had a chain with me today, to kiss your chain. Because God's going to take that chain that has limited you and turn it into a gold chain. The gold chain represents Jesus' deity. It represents His majesty as King of kings and Lord of lords. Give God praise. Somehow do you have the ability to kiss your chain. Because God can exchange it. And so we see Joseph, the Bible says, verse 43, made him again. Now look, the next thing, benefit to ride. And everybody when he rides by are going to applaud him. Everybody's going to praise him. Amen. It's the type of Jesus. What we should do to him. Praise him. He made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath Paaneah. zaphnath Paaneah. Zaph, let me make sure I'm saying it, Zaph, Nath, Okay? What does that mean? Pharaoh gives him a name, Zaph, Zaph, Nath, It means revealer of secrets. It means the Savior of the world. Savior. And then Pharaoh takes his daughter, Asenath and gives her to Joseph. He receives a Gentile bride in connection to these dreams. He gave to him, verse 45, Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. When I read it, they said it it was the Pharaoh's daughter himself. When I studied it. A Gentile bride to a Hebrew man. The type of Jesus. But I want you to think about it just for a moment, church. There was a time in Joseph's life when a woman went after him to tempt him. And he stayed faithful to God. He would not give in to that temptation. He stayed faithful to God and stayed pure before the Lord. He ran out. She kept his cloak. That spiritual mantle, he still had it. His spiritual mantle. And because he said no to temptation, he receives as an effect princess of Egypt what would have happened if Joseph had given into the temptation of Potiphar's wife he would not have been joined to azeneth this princess of Egypt do you understand what I'm saying as I preach to you the word of the Lord these temptations that are going to come you from different directions, you have to have the ability to know what's God and what's not God. You have to have the ability to say no because your future depends on it. If you give in to the temptation, how can you be joined to Christ? He didn't give in to the temptation. He's a type of Christ. He could be joined to her. And so now we see he's now called the Savior of the world or the Revealer of Secrets. He gave him and a wife, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On. And Joseph went out all over the land of Egypt. What did he do? He got busy. He was wise. He was discreet. And he was wise. He knew what to do. He told them what to do. And he went at, at it and began to store up the grain. For that seven years is going to come, we would call the tribulation period. Here he is once again diligent and doing what he was supposed to do, and the Bible says in verse forty-six, "And Joseph was thirty years old at the beginning of his life when he first comes on the scene, and then he is going to, at that time receive the mantle. He's only seventeen years of age. That's why I say, for thirteen miserable years he suffered." God brought him out. And now the fulfillment of his dream has come to pass. And and now the reason why he's in Egypt is manifesting. It's awesome the way God works. If if God had not providentially behind the scenes worked all of this out, there would have been no Israel. The famine would have wiped him out. And if there be no Israel, there's no Jesus. There's no Messiah. And if there's no Messiah, there's no Savior. And if there's no Savior, there's no salvation. And if there's no salvation, there's no church. And we're all destined to hell. Because God cared enough to behind the scenes set this whole thing up. He was in control the whole time. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Verse 46, And the seven plant this years the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. He prepared for that seven-year tribulation period that was going to come. Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, with Azaneth the daughter of Potiphira, the priest of on bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the first, man, first son Manasseh, and he called the second son Ephraim. These are little testimonies of God's faithfulness running around. Manasseh, my little make me forget because God has made me to forget all my toil so I'm going to call my firstborn son my little make me forget he made me forget all my Isn't isn't it awesome when God begins to bless your life and you've gone through years of misery isn't it amazing when God begins to bless your life how all that misery just goes away all that misery, 13 years of misery just went away. The blessings of God are there in his life. And so he says, you know, I'm so blessed now, I even have forgotten what it used to be like. Yes! What a mighty God! Do you have a little Manasseh running around? I'm not saying literally you call him Manasseh, but you got a little Manasseh running around, that every time you see him, it says, there's my little make me forget. I forgot all my suffering because the blessings of God are so rich. God is able to do it. And then He'll give you an Ephraim. And Ephraim means doubly fruitful. I'm so blessed, I'm not just blessed, I'm doubly blessed. I'm doubly fruitful. So you got little make my little make me forget running around here. Manasseh, you got my little doubly fruitful running around here, and every time I see him, God made me forget all my pain. God's blessed me so much; I'm doubly blessed. Are anybody here today? Give God some praise. I'm almost through. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God said he had made me forget all my toil and all my in all my father's house. And the name of the second called Ephraim for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. Amen. And the seven years of dearth began to come. Famine. According to Joseph it said, and the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was what? Bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do it. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. Sometimes Joseph is criticized because he didn't just give it to the people. He didn't just give it to the people. He sold it to him. Good business, good business creates discipline and responsibility. When God gets ready to, he can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. You'll not be able to receive it when he gets ready to do it. Amen. But he still requires of us to be faithful to be responsible people, and to be disciplined people. Joseph was a wise man. He didn't just give it to him without requirement. He sold it to him. Amen. Now as I preach this to you, maybe you're just sitting there and you think, this is a Bible story happened years and years ago. Right now we're on the edge Of what this typifies. We're on the edge of seeing it happening. Amen. I don't know the day or the hour of His coming. But I do believe we're in the end times. Amen. How many want to be responsible? You want to be disciplined? You want to be faithful? If God can do that, the whole land had a famine. If God prov- could provide bread by revelation, he'd do the same thing for us. Right? Sure he can. <clears throat> and all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. God is behind the scenes working right now. Hard times are coming. You think they're hard right now? They're really hard times are coming. The storm is coming. But God is so good, He warns us in advance so that we can be prepared. Amen. Not just economically, not just financially, but be prepared spiritually. God wants you to come out of your prison He wants to cleanse you, wash you in His name with His blood. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. Amen. He wants to give you a new life. He wants you to be ready for the tribulation that's going to come. Say amen and amen. Now listen carefully. Some people say, well, Joseph received his Gentile bride before the seven-year famine came. I have to remind you that Joseph was still in Egypt when the famine came. He did not leave the land. Don't read too much into things that people say. He was still in the land during the time of famine, but the preparation was done in order for the people to be saved. God has already got it worked out. You sit around, you're worried. Some of y'all are scared. You're really worried. You're really full of fear. If we don't get into the Bible, it it can get hold of all of us because we look at the situations that are around us right now. But wait, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, get your eyes on God. Trust God. Trust His Word. Amen. He's in control. So tonight, I laid foundation for uh, tonight's service by what I preached this morning. Hallelujah. So, God bless you for being here this morning. And I'm going to share some things with you. Some of these things we've already talked about about a year ago. And I'm going to just remind you about where we are. Okay? Uh, so, I'll go back in a little bit and talk about what we've covered in the past. And bring them to your attention. Okay? Praise the Lord. And then the good news is that God has already spoken to us what to do. He's a good God. So that's why I'm so happy. Y'all look at me and you think, wow, you preach that message like that and I found all these things are coming, you know, and how can you be so full of joy and so happy? Because God has told us what to do. Yeah, so I, see, that's all I, That's all you need. That's all I need. It doesn't matter what you're facing in life, no matter what the difficulty is. You know what I need when I'm going through difficult times and we all go through them? I just need a word from God. If I can get a word from God, it it doesn't matter what it is. Just just tell me, God, what to do. Just just tell me how to react. Tell me what what is the action, you know? And if I get that, I thank God. That's all I need. Just a word. That's it. Look at your neighbor as I dismiss you. Please stand and tell them this is a very significant day church. Amen? How many of y'all are ready to meet Jesus? How many of you are ready to walk in the character of Joseph? Be like a Joseph. I want to be like a Joseph. God bless all of you. Lord, we thank you tonight, today, this morning. Bless your people, God, we pray. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your instruction. Thank you for helping us, mighty God, because we look to you and we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. We'll see you tonight.